2: Today is Thursday, April 8th, and this is Celtic Speed on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, episode 403, featuring the Celtics radio network, Sean Grandy, and it is powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today and use the promo code CLNS50 for 50% sign-up bonus. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome on in another nice new edition of Celtics Beat. Great to be here with you. I'm Adam Kaufman. You know Evan Valenti, and you certainly know this other guy that is here with us, good friend of the program, Sean Grandy. Of course, uh, long time. I, I always say it because I know how he feels about it. Long used to it now.
0: Radio, get it.
2: All right, let's start over. New show. Uh, Sean Grandy, radio voice of the Celtics, although you've caught him on TV from time to time as well, including very recently, just in the last couple of games. He's coming off an exciting kind of gutsy win, if you will, over the Knicks. And we have time for that, Sean. But, you know, I feel like we wouldn't be doing, you know, we wouldn't be doing right by you, by the Celtics family, If we didn't point out to our listeners, for anyone that may be under a rock and unaware of it, there is a new. Celtics podcast and I'll I'll tell you what else it's not even part of the CLNS family I'm being that kind it is produced by the Boston Celtics themselves and Sean along with Abby Chin NBC Sports Boston Mark D'Amico of course from the Celtics uh, digital reporter content creator over there all the names that I have mentioned are part of this program from time to time even Kendrick Perkins as well the four of you hosting a new podcast view from the rafters a uh, deep dive behind the scenes with the Boston Celtics. So uh, one, congrats. You know, you and I had obviously once upon a time talked about doing a podcast. So I'm glad you're finally doing a Celtics podcast and uh, tell the people about it here on launch day.
0: It's a long, long time coming. Very long time coming. They approached me, uh, I would, it was literally in 2018, I think, when this first happened, back when the world existed. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, the, the Celtics have been kicking it around for a long time. And I think one of the reasons that, I didn't end up doing something with you or with CLNS or a lot of other people, as you can probably imagine, have, you know, kicked the kicked my tires, I guess, for lack of a better term, the last few years. It's because this has been in the works um, to have a Celtics-based podcast. And I think that what you guys do, which you guys do so well, is more of a micro, here's the game against the Knicks, here's what happened this week in these last couple of games. And we realized – to do a real Boston Celtics podcast, you want it to go much wider angle lens. And the podcasts that I really enjoy are what, you know, we call it, when they came to me with it. I said, listen, this is my, what I think it should be <clears throat> is the deep dive. Mm-hmm. It's the deep dive. It is a an event in Celtics history. And this can be three months ago or two years ago or six years ago or 20 years ago. It doesn't matter, but find an event and take the deep dive. Obviously, there's going to be guests and, you know, Danny, we did, uh, you know, a longer forum, different kind of interview with Danny. Uh, for the first one, and there'll be some of those, but really, it's going to be event related. And you know, we have kind of lived it. If Perk and I were talking about the famous Kevin Garnett big baby arm wrestling contest, right, that's become legend. Well, Perk and I were right there. It happened two feet from us, right. So we, again, being the longtime voice of the Celtics, as <laughs> you and others like to uh, like to hit me with, which is code for you're old, and I get it. Uh, we're lucky. We- yeah. Okay, it goes yeah. both ways. Well, yeah, we're lucky to still be alive at this point. I still don't because <laughs> I'm not old enough that I can get the freaking vaccine. Like, I'm glad I've taken care of myself all these years. That worked out well. So now right. I'm so sitting here without a vaccine. Well, thousands of people flood into the garden uh, for every game. But the idea was to do the, the deep dive on things that I'll give you an example of an upcoming episode is going to be about the summer of 2013. Okay. And all the things that happened, the end of the new big three era, the hiring of Brad Stevens, the changing on the fly. And to do that properly, you're not talking about the day that Brad Stevens got hired. You're literally, that's a, a three-year ramp up to Danny wrestling with the ghosts of the Sam Perkins debtless shrimp trade, right? And talking to Red Auer back about rebuilding all the chances he had to trade Ray Allen and what led to him not doing that. And then the opportunity coming to make all these pivots, the great Doc Rivers dilemma of should he stay or should he go? Could he exist in the league, Tuesday night league pass world and not in the ABC TNT microphone on my jacket world? So that's an example of something. There's so many layers to it. The trade of Kendrick Perkins. And obviously we got Perk anyway as one of us, but all of the things that led up to it, that's a dividing point. You know, we've probably had this conversation. The new big three hour is divided into three parts. The first one, the first dividing line is the Kevin Garnett injury. And the second one is the Kendrick Perkins trade. Mm -hmm. And he had different degrees of dominance and success in those three phases of it. But we have the ability, because we're the Celtics, to talk to people that maybe are going to be hard to get to for other, you know, for other podcasts or other people. And take our time and do things that aren't related to what happened this week, but that you could – listen to on a drive this summer on, you know, like on summer vacation that are going to be sort of evergreen. And that was basically the concept. So this
2: episode you just mentioned too, uh, have you guys, like you said, it's an upcoming episode, but have you guys already recorded this
0: one? We did. We talked to Danny and it's funny. It was right around the trade deadline, but we weren't talking about the trade deadline other than in, uh, generalities about yeah. you know, with, when you're talking to Dan, we'll talk to Danny many times because he's involved in all of these things. Right? right. He's involved in Ubuntu. He's involved in the hiring of Brad Stevens. He's the 2013, the trade of Kendrick Perkins, all of these things, Danny's involved in. So he'll make multiple appearances, but this was just a different kind of long form conversation with him. And to me, the interesting part was talking to him about the way he approaches his relationship with players is something that <clears throat> other GMs go out of their way to avoid. Mm-hmm. and the, the the conflict of danny the person and wanting to be involved in these young men's lives and help them and then you're on the phone an hour later having to trade them away so that you know that that's the kind of thing you're not going to talk to danny about that on his weekly radio show when the team has lost 3 in a row or whatever you're it's it's micro versus macro or what we call in the podcast world you know the the deeper dive so even when we do interviews like we did with Danny, they'll be different from what you hear on a daily, weekly basis and hopefully more in-depth.
2: So the reason I ask that question is because one of the things that has just always fascinated me, and I think it's been talked about here and there, written about here and there, but what I would love to really – um it, engulf myself in a deeper dive in and involves Danny involves Brad involves Tracy Brad's wife involves you know Wick involves so many others and maybe you guys got into this maybe you didn't but I'm sure you know the backstory just you being you know with your friendship with Brad and others is the when he was hired back in in you know basically July 4th 2013 And uh, and I was excited about it. A lot of people who were fans of Brad's at Butler were. And I wrote about it at the time for the uh, the Globes website. Just, you know, this guy's going to do big things. And, you know, hopefully he does, obviously. But he's already achieved quite a bit in his time in Boston. The fact that in this era of news reporting, news gathering, social media, Twitter reports, like, I mean, there wasn't a sniff of that Brad hiring anywhere hadn't been floated hadn't been rumored didn't exist until the Celtics sent out the press release that he was hired and uh, that's been true since of extensions that he has signed and things along. like it just Brad you know that Brad being being you know sort of that cloak of secrecy and it helps obviously when your agent is your wife that's a big part contained. yeah but the but the fact that like that stuff just a deeper dive into that whole process of hiring there you go.
0: I'd love to hear. You'll be a satisfied customer Uh, because that's the idea. That is the basic concept is to tell these stories that either haven't been told or they haven't been told in in a certain way. And, again, having the example, pick something from the last couple of years. You have three of us or four of us or whoever it happens to be in any given uh, episode. We've all had different views of it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, from our different places in the organization, or the different people that we knew, or different feelings about it, and you're just coming at a topic with multiple people and their view of it from you know where they where they happen to be. So, you know, but that that's a good example of it. The uh, you know the flight, you know, Mike Zarin and Danny and those guys flying out and uh, to to see Brad, obviously in the complete cloak of secrecy, a, a story broken by press release, mm-hmm. old school,
2: yeah. Yeah, it's, it was just great to see. So, uh, again, it is called View from the Raptors, the behind the scenes with the Boston Celtics episode one dropped today, Thursday, and uh, I assume this is uh, uh, without you know reading through the whole press release for everybody. Weekly program, it's going to feature some combination of the four of you, you, Abby, Mark, and Perk, and uh, and obviously a, a rotation of guests along the way.
0: Yeah, and it really it's going to depend on the uh, availability, but mostly you know what are we talking about? Are we talking to Kevin Garnett? We're talking to Kevin Garnett. You're going to have me involved. You're going to have Perk involved. Mm -hmm. If it's maybe a more, you know, behind the scenes issue involving the team and the way we travel or how, you know, medical stuff is done or whatever, things that where Abby's been really more, you know, connected to them, you might see more. It's going to be a, in the old days, we had those Was uh, wrestling tag teams, right, where you had three people and only two people could be in the tag team match, but yeah. you had, the, the team was, like, bigger, so you never knew who you were going to get. Right. It's going to be that that kind of thing going forward. And like most things in this day and age, it is a brand-new work in progress. Um, you know, it's taken on many forms in the couple of years as we've ramped up to it, and this is what it's going to be at the start.
2: For both of you, by the way, just because you brought up Kevin Garnett. Anybody check out his book yet? I, I was really excited about it when he announced it, you know, KG from A to Z, and you know, it, it, like, heaven forbid, an unfiltered KG. Like, I thought that's what we had all these years, and uh, now for it to be in book form, and and obviously you, Sean, know him significantly better than, uh, than either the two of us, and most people, for that matter. What, uh, have you had the chance to read that thing yet?
0: I did. Uh, I did, and it's funny, it's, you know, it's interesting, it's sort of gimmicky, right, in the way he put it together, and it's sort of uh, something I'm excited about for the inevitable podcast when we eventually do it is that it doesn't really tell the whole, you know, tell his story in a traditional way. And there's a lot of really, there's interesting stuff in there and it's new stuff. And it's a book. Obviously you should absolutely read if you're a Kevin Garnett fan, but it's sort of, it leaves you wanting more, which I guess is the idea. But I don't know if you know this or not, but Showtime has got, a, there's a Kevin Garnett documentary coming. Yeah. Um, uh over the summer. The trailer is
1: electric. It, it's uh, I've watched it like twenty times. It looks. I awful. I, I, I don't can know tell if I you the trailer yet. I got to check it out.
0: I'm not sure who else. I know my. I, I sat down with them for about. They asked me to come for an hour, and I was there for about two and a half hours <laughs> um, of stuff. So I'll be one of those people, right? That's in the in the Kevin Garnett diet. So I'm I'm excited about it. I I know they talked to Mike. I know they talked to Max. Uh, maybe Scal. Um, but it's. It's um, you know, no shortage of. You could do a mini series certainly on uh, on KJ.
2: That's awesome. That'll be a lot of fun. Well, uh, again, check out the podcast. Obviously we'll have more time to get into KG as we get closer and hell, I mean, we have we haven't even done the, the Paul Pierce thing. I don't know if we're going to or not. Maybe we'll save that for a little bit later. What's going on in his life at the moment. Let's talk about this team, Sean, because uh, it's, it's interesting for, for lack of a better word, not always entertaining. I have remarked over the course of, uh, you know, the shows this year, this is really the, the first team under Brad, that I have uh, honestly found myself hate watching a lot of the time. It has just been such a frustrating team to watch Uh, more often than not the inconsistency. And that doesn't, fully account for, you know, things that have been, you know, completely out of their control, covid issues, injuries. I mean, they've been hit harder than any other team in the NBA. Their, you know, core players have been together less than anybody. So they they have their and they wouldn't call them this, these are my words. They have their built-in excuses certainly that have played into why they are where they are, which is a 500 team at the bottom of a crowded east with regard to playoff teams anyway seventh right now after squeaking by the Knicks and, and what was a good win at the Garden but bigger picture for you like it's easy for me obviously here's what I think of the team you're closer to the team not as close as normal here in COVID times but you're closer to the team you're there you're watching intently where does this team rank for you just in terms of watchability and your enjoyment as a broadcaster compared to teams in recent years?
0: Well, it's low. It's like everybody else. We're watching the same thing that you guys are all seeing. I'm saying the same things every night, you know, seemingly. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because we're talking at a, a really fascinating time because it's the fact that you could talk about a two-point home win against the 500 team as being significant, yet yeah. the, way that the, the way the game unfolded on Wednesday night has potential to be significant because they haven't won really a game like that this year. That was just straight gut check. But I think one of the many frustrating things about this team is is evaluating them because you can say, man, I hate watching this team to which you could easily on the other side, say, which team, what team, Yeah, the team, Kemba Walker plays on the team where you didn't have Marcus smart, the team where Tristan Thompson was out for three weeks, the team where now you acquire, you finally filled the Gordon Hayward spot with a 20 point scorer off the bench. And he goes down in protocol and now is going to be gone for two weeks. What team? Uh, so the problem is you, there are legitimate issues there and you have to try to meld them somehow with all the other stuff that's happening to say, what should, where should this team really be? If they're 500 realistically through 52 games, how many wins should they have? 30 30 30 and 22 is a pretty good record. Is this team, have they been healthy enough to earn that? And I think it starts with the great double standard of last year, which is that people want that again, yet they had no appreciation whatsoever, seemingly. That's why I say people don't appreciate it. It's the loud, the talk show voices, the the vocal minority on Twitter, uh, the tight loud that I, you start with this. I think last year – is destined to be one of the most unappreciated Celtic seasons in history. That is the second-best team, in the the third-best team in the last 30 years. It's the third-best Celtic team. 08, 09, and 20 are the three best Celtic teams in the last 30 years. That's how good they were last year. And put together a run in which they not only won all those games and got to the conference finals, they had a chance. One, One of the things people hated about the 2019, and you certainly can't say it about this team, is that they were in every game. They had a run from February up until the last game of the conference finals where they literally had a chance to win every single game. Uh, all the metrics, the offensive rating, the defensive rating, the scoring margin, everything you could come up with. This was an elite team, and they were the third-best team out of 30 in the NBA. But for people around here, that wasn't good enough. And so at some point, you shrug your shoulder. Like, you lost Kyrie Irving, Al Horford, Terry Rozier, Marcus Morris, You got Kemba Walker who was healthy for part of the year. That's what you got in exchange for that, and you got significantly better. And again, with the third best team out of thirty, that's not good enough. Okay, I'm glad your kids constantly get A's, and I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry if they don't. You know, I feel bad for them when they come home with an A minus or a B plus. It's probably an unpleasant place to be, but I think we've lost sight of that. And you and I have had this conversation before about the. When you have a high for 20 years, like Boston has had, Mm -hmm. it's hard to get excited about the conference finals. My first year with the Celtics, that team hadn't been in the playoffs in seven years. They go to game six of the conference finals. And you remember they wanted to have a parade for that team. Two years earlier, they literally had a parade for a player who won a championship on another team. That's what was going on in Boston in 2000. Ray Bork had a big party and a parade. Whatever it was, because he won the Stanley Cup with another team. That was the
2: mindset. Especially with what we've seen the last twenty years, it remains one of Boston's most embarrassing sports moments. So, or
0: not, or it was a time capsule, right? It was a that moment in time. Nobody said in two thousand, there was probably one crazy guy. On the street, you know those people that talk to themselves. Yeah. Probably one crazy guy wandering up and down the street with a big shawl in 2000, saying, "In the next 20 years, the Red Sox are going to win four World Series, and the Patriots are going to win six Super Bowls, and the Celtics and Bruins are going to win the championship." Everyone, yeah, listen to that crazy! My God, that's the craziest guy I ever heard. And yet, that happens. So I get, at some level, why the conference finals isn't as exciting as it was 20 years ago. Mm. But gotta have some sense of the realistic nature, and then the bigger picture issue, which is to me. This was a transitional year of leadership in which all of a sudden Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, it became their team. And I've said this in some ways, many, and this is, this sounds like I'm, I'm hitting those guys and I'm not, but it's very normal and a very natural evolution. But when those two guys stop waiting for someone to come and lead them and start leading themselves, that's when this thing is going to turn around. I think Jalen has done it a lot this year. I think a lot. Falls on Tatum because a lot is expected of him because we know who he can be as a player, but being 23 and 24 years old and Tatum just turned 23 mm-hmm. um, you know, Paul Pierce, when he was 26 or 27 came out to a post-game press conference in the playoffs with his head wrapped like yeah. Ebenezer Scrooge. He was a lot older then than these guys are now. It takes time to be leaders. And I have faith that these two can do it, but man, how many times this year, Adam, have we looked down on the floor There were moments in the fourth quarter, some of the Kemba games, when he was out, when Marcus was hurt. Robert Williams is the oldest player on the floor in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Hi, have we lost? I know everybody, we're Boston, we're the Celtics, we're championship-driven. Okay, how about looking at the realistic nature of where this team stands, and that is an exceptionally long play-by-play, guys, answer to the question that the Celtics are not one of the elite five or six teams or actually, you've never had a year like this. So there's eight teams at the top. There's eight teams at the bottom. Everybody else in the middle. And this is viscerally demonstrated by the Sixers the other night. The Celtics right now, as constituted, are not a championship-caliber team. But they could turn this thing around. They could win a playoff series. They could scare the heck out of the Nets of the Sixers in the second round. And that, to me, that turns the cable car into a building block in the next year.
1: Yeah, the leadership thing is interesting because I always – expectations are obviously with the success they have had over the past couple of years, going to the Eastern conference finals through the past four years, they, you know, expectations change, right. The the, You know, going to game seven against LeBron and the Cavaliers and, you know, you're a Terry Rozier, a couple of made threes away from going to the NBA finals and, you know, getting absolutely steamrolled by the golden state warriors. You know, that team has no expectations. You're playing with how. Evan, check me on
0: this, Evan. I always thought, the Celtics would have won the first game. They would have won the first game out there and then got, then lost the next four. After that, I always felt like they would have stolen one of the games out there. Probably that first game and people would have been going crazy. And then real life would have.
1: Well, the the one thing I'll say about Boston and just as a real quick side tangent here, the, the one thing I'll say about Boston and those golden state teams is Boston was never really afraid of those teams. Like I remember, I got in a little bit with Michael Thompson about it on Twitter. I was like, "Hey, Mike, Michael, why does it seem like that Boston always plays them tough?" I remember Boston went into Oracle when nobody was winning there, and they went in there and, and won a game, and they were shorthanded in that game. I mean, it was like that. I, I
2: was at the all, double. All of Sean's tweets about it, or like the, Yeah, you all, know that like I have that number. Nobody's been Golden better. State well, over the last handful, right. years.
0: In the in the Golden State era, starting in 2014, right to now, the Celtics have the best record and scoring differential against the Warriors than anybody in the league.
1: I was at the game, the double overtime game, where they were on, like, what, 25 straight, and the next night they lost to Milwaukee because they were
0: awesome.
1: Boston had no business being in that game. But – and, Sean, you were there. It was like an event. Everybody was was there. Everybody. I mean, I I was fortunate enough to have good, you know, tickets for that game. You know, within three rows of me was Robert Kraft, John Henry, uh, Wick – uh, Devin McCourty, Logan Ryan, LeGarrette Blunt. I mean, it was anybody who was anybody was there. And they just, for some reason, for if that particular Golden State team, they were not afraid of that team. And I asked Michael why. And he said, because that team learned th- defensively, you know, that this were where the game's going to be won. They were never like, they knew that, that every assignment, every, every possession mattered. And because they treated every possession like that, they were able to hang in games. But, you know, as we find ah, it effort. back to Right? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Al was a big part of that. Um, but getting back to my original point, you know, this team has expectations now, right? You have a Jason Tatum who for the first time in his NBA career has to really carry and shoulder load, as you mentioned. You have J- Jalen Brown, who's done a really good job of being, you know, a vocal leader, at least with the media trying to explain things. And of course, sure. last night, you know, talking about how him and Jason talked for the game, how they block out the noise. And, and maybe last night was the turning point, but. My point with that, with everybody is this, like, look, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, they went to they were in their mid to late twenties. You know, LeBron took him a while, took him a, another team, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosch to win an, to win an NBA championship. Like winning an NBA champion, if it were so easy, then every team would have one. And, you know, you would have uh, a different team every season. But unfortunately for, for fans and, you know, for people, like storylines change throughout the season. And just because it's been – and I know it's been frustrating for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons, but, like, these two guys who project to be on this team for a very long time, as much as certain members of the media want to tweet that they'd rather get rid of Tatum right now because they don't like his body language or something, I don't don't get that. But this team is going through some really tough growing pains, and eventually they will come out the other side. I refuse to believe that guys as talented – as Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum aren't going to figure things out eventually, whether it's this year or next year and, and launch themselves into the next stratosphere. This, this is a, it's just been a weird two years of NBA basketball. All right. We're still in the middle of what I call the weirdest time, maybe in NBA history with the shutdown last year, the bubble playoffs, the shortened off season and the COVID stricken season that has really infected the Celtics in a really negative way. So as, as, as much as I want to say, and this season has been frustrating. Maybe this season, Sean, in a way, is sort of necessary for these two guys to realize truly what the potential is and what they need to do to get to where they want to be as perennial contenders every single year and going you know, to the Eastern Conference NBA Finals along with the LeBrons, the Durants, the Currys of the world.
0: It sounds a lot like our broadcast uh, throughout the course of this year. But it's, it's no fun to go right. through it when you have to go through it. And yeah. I understand that. I get it, but I just don't think anyone's been realistic about the talent that has left and what you have now. And so what happens is when you say that, then people say, well, that's, that's, that's Danny's fault. And it's Brad's fault that, that people are leaving. Here's something I like to point out about the Al Horford and Gordon Hayward. Two integral parts of what happened. Certainly Gordon was going to be, and we've seen those numbers. I tweeted those too, right? Gordon Hayward, people are like, oh, he's, he's made of glass. He's whatever. He's been very reliable. He was completely injury free the last four years before he got here. And until mm-hmm. he got hurt this year, he was in the top 30 in minutes played, including second one year in the entire league in minutes played for the four years in Utah and then this year in Charlotte until he got hurt again. So th- there was a lot of bad luck involved in the Gordon Hayward thing. But Gordon Hayward and Al Horford in consecutive years both got contracts that were ridiculed around the league. Mm-hmm. How can Philadelphia give Al Horford that? How can Charlotte pay Gordon Hayward all this money? Whatever. Now I know, okay, Bill Belichick has won championships because he has Tom Brady. He's great. All that. If Bill Belichick built up a player's value and then a team, some other team dramatically overpaid to get that player away, people would say, Oh man, Bill Belichick, look what he did. He got some other team to overpay. And yet it happened here with Horford and Gordon Hayward. You know what the Celtics want something they really missed this year? Gordon Hayward, mm-hmm. that spot. Because not only did you not have Gordon Hayward, you didn't even fill the spot. We to mention all the guys.
2: second he left. We've been harping on that on this program.
0: Significant. Since second very 11. significant. Uh, Brad has talked about this and he's right. It, again, because it's so weird, the bubble, we can't really put our head around it. Brad Stevens said it's, he, he said it early in the year, with me, I know people don't always hear. I just recently came to my attention. that Apparently, these Celtic games are televised. Uh, I wasn't aware. <laughs> yeah, I, did not, I did not know. Yeah. I thought we would. In yeah. you know, any case. So, you know, a lot of stuff Brad says. And I know that people are all excited. People are finally catching on the, the, the segment I do with Brad before the game. It's become kind of a cult thing. I know people are listening and they get a different side of him and all that. But a lot of stuff he says is going to slip through because people aren't going to hear it. But he said it again recently. And I don't think it truly resonated it. The best team, the best basketball the Celtics have played since he has been here with the seeding games and the early playoff games last year in in August, uh, you know, into September, because that team was playing at a championship level. And by the way, we all use different websites and whatever, but 538, which does a great job with the project. The Celtics, by five or six games into the playoffs last year, were the favorite to win the championship. (laughs) <laughs> Until OG Ananobi ruined everything, right? Kyle Lowry yeah. was too far back, out of bounds, and nobody called him on. Uh, but that—that's how well they were playing last year. Gordon Hayward, you know, who eventually got hurt, was a uh, a big part of that team playing well. You didn't fill that spot, and so I get it. We we want what we want. We want the Celtics to be one of the two or three best teams in the league. And suddenly, there's a group of people that can't handle it that they're not. So fire the coach. Okay. Yeah, Brad will be out of work a long time as the Celtics yeah. fired. And that'll lie. You know, Danny, <laughs> Danny Ainge, Danny hasn't done this. Well, this is a problem with being a general manager, right, for 18 years or 19 years. Uh, people will say, well, he picked uh, the late Fab Melo, and he picked Gabe Pruitt, and he made these mistakes in the draft. I said, okay, you can. we can talk about all the mistakes Danny has made in the draft the same way you can talk about going after Mike Trout for all the times he doesn't – the 60% of the time he doesn't get on base. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's fair, but he still gets on base more than everybody else. So <laughs> I people just are looking for something, and nobody wants to say it, which is that for whatever reason, immaturity, being the guy, the COVID issue, for whatever, nobody wants to say this. Jason Tatum has not played like a superstar this year. He hasn't. He's seen mm-hmm. flashes of it. We know what he has been. We know what he can be. He's still crazy young, but this is a transitional year for Jason Tatum as he continues to figure out who he is going to be. And that's the reality of it, is that Jalen Brown, all-star level, first few weeks of the season, and he dropped off when Marcus Smart got hurt, which I think was not a coincidence. Uh, And the reality is it's on those two guys, and they've been all-stars. You have two all-stars. You should be one of the best teams. Really? Paul Pierce and Antoine Walker were all-stars. Mm -hmm. Paul Pierce became a true leader and one of the really great players in the league in the 05, 06 season, his second year with doc, when he kind of got his head together. I'll tell you two things about that. Number one, he was 28 when that happened. And number two, Celtics didn't come close to the playoffs that year. And that was a really good year for Paul Pierce. So (laughs) I know we don't, patience is no good. You can't preach patience to all of us who've had to wear masks for the last 14, 15 months. We're all (laughs) sick of it. We have no, Patience for anybody or anything because of the times we're living through. But I would phrase it like this. The Sixers right now are on a different level. They're an elite championship caliber team. And that drives Celtic fans crazy. Because you know what Celtic fans forget? The last few years when you have been beating their ass over and over and over. And beating them eight out of nine in the playoffs. Joel Embiid did the Pedro they're my daddy thing last year. And you don't think uh, eventually you can't beat everybody all the time, every year over and over and over again. And the Sixers are geared up to play the Celtics because they've been beaten time and time again by the Celtics. Remember what happened last year? They won the first three games, the regular season series and Mm -hmm. sent out a tweet. The team sent out a tweet saying, we won the regular season series for the first time since whatever. <laughs> How'd that look after the sweep in the playoffs? You know, they dropped the confetti early again. So, you know, when I, I talked about this, when I first came in the league, the Bulls had been doing so good, right? The Bulls, the Jordan Bulls had just finished their run when I first came in the league. Mm-hmm. And Sam Mitchell, who was on the team I was doing, the Timberwolves, said when we were going into Chicago, and they said, oh, if you can beat the Bulls by fit, he didn't care who was still on the team. Then you beat them by 50, you beat them by 50, because when the new big three Celtics went into Chicago or Charlotte and they won the game by 30, everybody, we went on to the next town. That team remembered it. And the same way the Sixers remember all those games. So eventually you're going to have to take a beating one of these years. And here's a year where the Celtics, in my view, still have a pretty good shot to get in the final eight, final eight. We don't care about the final eight. We're Boston eight final eight out of 30 with where this team was the last couple of weeks, that'd be a heck of a save of this season. And it's still very possible. Let's take a quick break. Just to tell you the
2: show brought to you by bet online, the fastest and easiest place to bet on all your sports action. Of course, football, as we know long over, in fact, we'll be talking about next season pretty soon, but the NBA, NHL, MLB all in full swing. You got uh, NBA title odds, the nets, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, James Harden-led Nets, plus 225 to win a title. Defending champion Lakers, plus 325 to repeat. The Clippers, plus 575 when their new head coach. Of course, it's not Doc anymore. He's off taking care of business with the Sixers, as we talked about. The Jazz at plus 800. I don't really believe that is going to hold, but if you do, maybe uh, lay a little cash down. Get in at that number. The Celtics, if you do think they're going to turn things around to the uh, point of being championship favorites, well, plus... 4,000 is where things stand at Bet Online. The Masters, as we know, just getting started. Uh, Round one today, and uh, plenty of guys still in the mix. Great time to get some serious value on some of the best names in golf. Plus, you can get futures odds on every major left on the calendar, and there are a few. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best place, best way for you to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Again, that promo code is CLNS50. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So, Sean, something that uh, Evan and I were talking about before the show, and I, I think that we've really, last night post-game listening to players was uh, a, a real focal point for it but even a couple days ago with Marcus Smart's comments I think that was the night you were doing TV so I think it was with uh, Max and, and Wallach at the time post game but you know first you had Marcus calling out you know, the, the CLNS family here, yet calling out the Garden Report for being critical of him and, and his defensive play, specifically a Sherrod Blakely, who, as we know, has a podcast, uh, the A list part of uh, the, the podcast and the networks here that we've got at CLNS. So smart calls out Sherrod and the Garden Report. And then you have. Tristan Thompson calling out Kevin O'Connor by name post game, uh, you know, with after the report that he's not liked. He's a, you know, point. I've been in the league for you know forever. Find me one teammate that didn't like me, and all the stuff that had gone on with with KOC and and Chris Vernon as well from the Ringer, and uh, obviously you know Jalen and Jason as was brought up earlier in this show. Those guys talking about having a conversation, not getting down after that loss to the Sixers going into the game against the Knicks and playing the way they want to play. Just, you know, Jalen say, just be Jalen out there, just have fun, just play basketball. And uh, even acknowledging that, you know, some of the things that are said by the media, by people like us, by people that are, you know, on talk radio, talking heads on TV. It's, it's, They hear the noise. They haven't, you know, it's not the Bill Belichick mantra of of block out the noise, eliminate the noise. They haven't been able to do that. It is, it's really gotten into their heads. There's real estate in these athletes' heads, you know, from you know, schlubs like us, and at least I'll speak for Evan and I, I won't include you in that, but you know, idiots like us ranting on about uh, how, how we feel about what these professional athletes are doing out there on the floor. And, and it is impacting them. It is preventing them from having honest conversations with themselves from, from talking and getting on the same page. You know, again, not my words, Jalen's is, is there a sensitivity there? Is there a, I don't want to say softness. That's not the right word, but what is it that that you attribute all of that to that has contributed obviously to what they've done out there on the floor this year?
0: Human nature. <laughs> Cause that certainly is. Um, and it's hard to block out. I think the Tristan Thompson one is different only in that when you're talking about being a bad teammate, the teammates don't like you. That feels a little different than the Marcus smart criticism. Uh, I think Marcus was doing maybe a little bit of, and it was really funny because obviously he did the post game interview on radio and, let one fly. I literally, one game I go yeah. over to TV, and we have an FCC violation by the time I come back. We got, you
1: know, <laughs> hey, now you're falling. Now you're falling. Yeah, fault. I know. It's like, yeah. I,
0: I wasn't, I, I, Hands I, off. I was five feet away, but I was over on the other, Yeah, you know, I was yeah. on the other side. Um, I thought it was interesting that Marcus felt that way, but I, it reminded me a little bit of, you know, Kevin Garnett would do stuff like uh, anything, we'd roll our eyes, right? Anything to create an issue, to yeah. be fired up about they, these mattresses. These mattresses in the hotel don't have tags on them. They don't respect us, you know. They this is not anything, right? To he took that personally. Yeah, exactly. You'd, to make you'd make up anything. Well, you can't right? sell it at
2: that point. That's a big deal.
0: Yeah, and he, he would do that all the time. So I think it was a little bit of that. But I think Mark has certainly heard the whispers, and um, you know, I, it's impossible. There's never been a harder time to block out the noise, right? I I had a conversation. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this, guys. I had a conversation with Brad Stevens off the air last night. We talked about this thing because I get frustrated sometimes. And you, we've already referenced in just talking for a few minutes that one of the things I do with Twitter, and I've you know messed with it over the years. And when you're in, you're in, right? You can't get out. I use it in doing when I'm doing radio. I supplement our broadcast with stats that I don't have time. To go into, they te- I came up through television. Um, it's television. Obviously, I'm not not tall enough to do a game with Scout, but I came up through television. They, <laughs> yeah, I put st- stats up on the uh, that are interesting to me as TV graphics because that's sort of my background. So you'll put a stat up there, and people sometimes they get so argumentative and so CNN Fox about everything that they want to argue, st- not only argue statistics that are facts, they <laughs> want to Take an opinion, instill it on you so that they can argue the other side. So the other night, we had this beautiful symmetrical, I I like, you know, symmetrical mathematical stuff. And at one point in the game the other night, Joel Embiid had taken the exact same number of free throws as the Celtics in the season series. They had each taken 50. (laughs) That's a great TV graphic. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a great looking graphic. So I literally, you know, I created it and I tweeted it while doing the game because apparently I don't have enough to do. So I do that. And people went in it for whatever reason, it went crazy. And then people are saying, well, over here, you're like Celtic fans, some Celtic fans, are like, but they're, the referees are screwing us and whatever. This is, this is ridiculous the way they're screwing us. And then you had other people over here say, well, the Celtics, that's all they do is take jump shots, Grandy. Obviously they're not going to get to the line. And I'm like, okay, people. I did not a insert an opinion into this is just a statistical fact <laughs> that is interesting to me. And it it's also gets annoying because that's what I say. We say on the broadcast is that the Celtics are settling that Joel Embiid is doing work on them. It's not about, but people just want to argue. And it was Brad who had, Brad said to me last night, he's right. So Jeff Van Gundy had said to him about how taking all this stuff seriously. Maybe it applies to Marcus Smart. Maybe that's why it was on his mind, which is, Don't listen to opinions from people that you would not ask for advice. I thought, well, that's pretty good. Hmm. Uh, And, you know, in the the Twitter world, a lot of guys and players, I wish they would do it. Certainly not mentioning anybody by name, Kevin Durant, get off social (laughs) media because it doesn't help you. There's no reason to engage. In my job, I consider people, it's so funny they call them followers because I've always considered them customers. You know, these are, it's, I am, my job is to serve Celtic fans in any way possible. And there are times that I remember getting, I haven't just dragged in a couple of people once about something that was, I had like a number reversed or i left somebody out and people went crazy about it. And I said, okay. And I wrote this little thing and posted it. Like, I'll tell you what, I'll try to be better. I'll try to be perfect, not make mistakes, all this (laughs) other stuff. But everybody needs to sit a couple of plays out here and understand this stuff online, I do it for fun, for free, as a service to customers. And when you lose your minds about stuff, you're essentially coming at me because I'm painting park benches for community service, and I missed a spot. Like, get And, and there's a great, a great line. Who's um, I forgot. Who's the original office uh, guy who's like hosted the? Ricky Gervais. Greg, well, Ricky Gervais. Yes, Ricky Gervais. He had the best line ever about Twitter, which is that criticizing someone on Twitter for something that they tweeted is the equivalent of stalking someone and then complaining that they walk too fast. Like you're <laughs> you're, you're that I, I don't know what else to I'm not charging you for this stuff. I'm just providing a service and to me I loved it because it was a way to reach, you know, Max and I are a performers without an audience. And it's a way to interact with the fans that we don't get to interact with. So I love that mm-hmm. at the start, but that again, tying it all back to Marcus Smart and stuff, listen, use it, use the noise. If it motivates you go crazy, but how seriously do you need to take any of this stuff? And as you know, I think if Marcus Smart really was tossing and turning a night over something a Sherrod likely said, that's a problem. I'm just not sure it's
1: true. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's just been a lot of noise this year and it's, Again, it comes from people being trying to trying to figure out because we all want to be experts, right? We all want to figure out why is this team not performing the way that? Well, it's got to be this, or it's this, or it's that, or it's this, or it's that. And it just comes from a natural frustration. And you know, we've vented on this show a million times about what we think is wrong because that's we think that's what our job is, and in to to uh, find a way to diagnose the this is what's really killing the Celtics. And again, that gets back to the frustration this year. And you know, the thing with this team is. It, like, I, it's hard to block out noise, as you said, in this particular area of uh, this, this era of social media where everybody's constantly on Twitter and and everybody has an opinion about something. Um, but like the thing that we also have to acknowledge is like this team does have real problems. Like, as I talk about what I feel like every single week, you know, the, the hallmark of Brad Stevens teams have always been their defense. And this team defensively is a nightmare night to night you see defensive lapses you aren't used to seeing and you try and figure out whether that's a brad thing or a danny thing or a player's thing and the rational response that i've i've tried to say to everybody is it's collectively everybody's fault right you know when the celtics are down every rim protector against dallas and luke cornett's out there trying to you know block shots and deter people from the rim and you know Porzingis is just, you know, brushing him aside. That's, you know, uh, an unfortunate part due to injuries. It's an unfortunate part due to, you know, some trades that have happened this year. Al Horford leaving, you know, all those things. It's – everybody's just trying to play doctor and trying to assign blame in certain areas because it makes you feel better, right? Oh, well, Marcus Smart's not up to snuff defensively. It's like, well – Okay, you could point out some examples of that, but then you watch some of the things he does, you know, last night where he, you know, does some heroics and literally wins then the game in the fourth quarter, right? He was one for seven prior to, you know, what, five or six minutes left in the game. And all of a sudden Marcus heats up and, and offensively, you know, carries the team and everybody's singing a different tune. It's just part of the frustration this year, but I, you know, offensively, I can deal with some of the stuff defensively though. I, I just get really frustrated with, with the miscommunication and, you know, you try and figure out, is it, is it because they haven't had practice time, because they had a shortened off season, they have new guys coming in? It's just like – but everybody wants to have an answer. And, the, and, and what I like about having you on, Sean, is like you have the, the bird's-eye view of here's – you know, there's not one thing going wrong. It's a multitude of things. It's a, it's a weird season. It's the loss of talent. It's, it's you know, injuries. It's all these things combined together which no rational fan actually thinks about,
2: right? Not hot-tanky enough, Sean. Right.
0: Well, here's the – I'll say many things, as I often do. (laughs) Rational fan is an oxymoron. You're not supposed to be rational. That's your job. I'm not sitting here going, don't react badly. Don't scream that the coach should be fired or whatever. Be a fan. Be frustrated by the season. You should be frustrated. But if you want the real answers, unfortunately, it's more complicated than that. And as I said at the start, one of the things that makes this season so frustrated is that there are 50 things. You could point at, and here's one. Here's a great example of fans. What were they screaming all year long? Robert Williams. I want more Robert Williams. Robert Williams. Robert Williams. Robert Williams. Okay, I didn't disagree with that, but right now you're better with Daniel Tice than you are with Robert Williams. That does not mean this isn't the right thing. What's happening? It doesn't mean Robert Williams isn't going to be what we think he's going to be. This is a special kid, by the way. I mean, he's a great kid in addition to all the things that we see. But you have to take a step back to take two steps forward. And all of a sudden, you're left with Robert Williams. You got bailed out against the Knicks because you have Tristan Thompson, an older player, on your roster. You're going to have growing pains. I agree that Robert Williams should play, but you can't have it both ways. You can't say, I want Robert Williams to play, Oh, but I also want to win games. Uh, You don't get both of those things. Eventually, you might. But that you you can't – wait, I want – this is what I want as a Celtic fan. I want what I want. I want the defense to be great. I want them to stay at a championship level while they're sort of rebuilding and changing this team. And you want that because you got it already. And instead of appreciating the fact that this team sort of rebuilt on the fly and you spent a year and a half at the bottom of the league, a year and a half. Mm -hmm, Other teams have been down there for six, seven, eight years trying desperately to rebuild or get back to the top. And you have a team that's been to three three conference finals in the last four years. And again, there are people who say, conference finals, we're about championships. All right, why don't you call everybody else in the league? Why don't you take a little survey around the league? Why don't you ask the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are coming in tomorrow, how they would feel about going to the conference finals three times in four years when they've been there once in their franchise history, when they haven't won in Boston since Wally Zerbiak and Kevin Garnett and <laughs> Flip Saunders was their coach? It's been 16 years since the Minnesota Timberwolves won a game in Boston, Sacramento just won here for the first time in all that time. So you got to have some perspective on what success is in the NBA. I saw a random tweet from somebody. I don't remember what it was about, about how can we don't celebrate teams getting to the final four in the NBA, the way the final four celebrate and obviously different animal on a variety of levels, but There's something to that. I grew up because I'm the longtime voice of the Celtics and I'm so old. I grew up at a time where baseball only had the four teams. Right. right? There was no wild card. There was no you know, I grew up in the 80s. So you had you got to the league champ and that was a big monster deal when you got to the league championship series and you were one of the final four teams. So, uh, you know, I think it should be in the NBA, too.
2: I'll uh, get we, we got a whole bunch, but I'll give you one Twitter question uh, because there there was a nice, good, rational, forward thinking one that you can answer before we let you go. And that is from uh, Jeffrey Egan asked, uh, we've seen so little of Romeo Langford the past couple of years. I have no clue what to make of him. Seems to have pretty good defensive instincts, some offensive versatility. What do you being me, Sean, Evan? What do all of you think uh, his ceiling looks like? What's his best case three to five year trajectory? I mean, who
0: knows? That's the right. thing is we don't have any earthly idea because he has not played. But you see the raw, you see the play, right? You see the block of play, the raw materials where you're starting, the things that you're starting with. I always say this about players. Rondo is a great example of this. He started with things that you can't teach. Give me a player like that to start with, and his the natural the defensive instincts are ridiculous. They're off the off yep. the chart but he hasn't played. And obviously Brad and I have been joking about, I think I had Brad on uh, for the last game. I said, after everybody had been talking about Romeo all year, as if he was going to be the, the difference maker. Right. And I just asked Brad, just as I always do very dry and straight. Is it, you think it's too late for him to get in the MVP race or is there, <laughs> is there enough time left for that? Whatever, because you know, people are going to overreact, but I think you see why the Celtics are value him so much because in this, three and D era of the NBA, which you have the right start with Tatum and Jalen Brown, right? Because those are the players that you want to have in this era. Uh, you know, Romeo Langford certainly starts athletically, defensively like that. And even as we're talking, he had a three last night. This guy made five threes last year. In his rookie. Year. He made five threes and he did a step to the left, like a three. You don't try unless you, think you're can? you a three-point shooter in the league, and it was sort of eye-opening, not just that he made it, but even that he could take a shot like that. So uh, it's it's certainly intriguing, but if we think Robert Williams is a project, and he is in a lot of ways, and like so much trajectory left for him, Romeo is way behind him as far as minutes he's played and being on the floor in a year when you're not getting practice time. And by the way, don't discount this, because the Celtics had needed all these guys, no G League for the Celtics this yep. year no you know no bubble games where you could develop guys because you needed them on the roster and you're talking about Luke Cornette having to play Luke Cornette had to play that OKC game and he saved it because Taco got the first call Taco was the first guy and yep. when it didn't work with Taco then you went to you know, to Cornette and Mo Wagner because that's the year it's been for Brad Stevens just trying to find can I get some healthy bodies here um you know, in this, uh, in a COVID year. And it's like when Atlanta fires, Lloyd Pierce, I'm not getting involved in other people's businesses and other organizations, but I question anybody changing coaches or GMs or doing anything to me. It would have to be very dramatic to make a change in your organization based on the bubble year last. I mean, last year was, we had 80% of a normal season last year. This year with nothing about it has been normal. So I'd be very leery about making organizational decisions Based on anything that happens this year.
2: Again, this show brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a fifty percent sign-up bonus. Yeah, it's been weird. Uh, no, no doubt about it. Many of the stuff that you know, many of the things that we touched on during this show, Evan and I have certainly been harping on in past shows especially the whole give us more robert williams although at least uh you know we we stay on the rational side being we you know want him i I think i speak for evan here we want him to learn through failure you know if you if you lose a game here and there you lose like because we believe that as you alluded to sean there's there's something special there that hey he
0: went to he got he got uh 30 minutes of joel Embiid university the other night (laughs) no substitute for that i mean that was As I said, in one of the calls, I said, Joel Embiid just signed his report card after he had (laughs) him in school all night. Yeah. We've got
1: uh, a chamber of Joel Embiid for sure. It's not easy.
2: You wouldn't know it the way we've been talking, but the Celtics have won three out of four and have one more game on this homestand, uh, 730 Friday night, and then they hit the road for a few. And, uh, you know, we're obviously more than halfway through this season at this point, 500. uh, You know, what if removing the uncertainties, the unpredictable elements, the, you know, COVID and injuries, but just if this team as has, you know, it's, it's been, it's trended in this direction. I I say that with Evan Fournier being out obviously, but it is trended toward health, toward unity, toward seeing more of these guys together, certainly than we did the first third of the season, let's say, what do you believe they can be down the stretch here?
0: Well, I I think the season clearly to me is about getting to five. In the East. Obviously, four is better than five. If you want to be four. Although again, I'm leery about home court advantage because even that we're getting closer now, but we're still we don't know in two months if a team that worked all year to get home court advantage, maybe they won't have fans. And right. the other team they're playing will. We we don't know. We mm-hmm. think we know we had no idea what the playoffs are gonna look like with fans and arenas and what home home court advantage is gonna be. That said, you want to get the five because if you don't, forget the play-in thing. You oh, if you get the six, you avoid the play-in. That's like one of those things like we barely made it. And then you look around and there's Giannis. So that's, you know, there's like this comedic thing. Like, oh, we made it to six. We avoided the play. in okay, well now go play those guys seven games. So clearly you want to get to to four or five. And I don't know who's going to be there. I think the Celtics certainly will avoid the play-in um, with the remaining schedule. And just, again, the way it's trending and eventually you got to figure they got to be healthy at some point. I think Charlotte will fall. I think New York is going to fall down to the play. I've said this from the beginning and they keep, then they lose by 40 and I look stupid. I still think Toronto is going to find their way into the play. And you watch, they're going to be a dangerous team, right? They'll have Lowry and Van Vliet and Siakam, you know, whatever, and they'll be in the play in and they'll get a new lease on life, which will be interesting. Uh, but I think the, the upside for this team to me is getting into that four or five. Winning in the first round, which is going to be tough. Like, oh, you get Atlanta instead of Milwaukee. You got, you know, Atlanta beat you pretty good, two out of three. So, that's a tough team, and they played better under under Nate McMillan. So, there's no easy playoff series. But to me, the Celtics putting together some a decent run here in the final 20 plus games, getting into the four or five, winning in the first round, and then going to Philly, going to Brooklyn, and putting a scare into one of those teams. Maybe a deep series, maybe winning a couple of games in that series. That, to me, is the upside. And, by the way, as difficult as this season has been, you watch if the Celtics win in the first round and then win one of the first two games at Brooklyn or Philadelphia, this town will go crazy. They'll fall in love again all over with this mm-hmm. team because they can't help it. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I, do I expect the Celtics to be in the conference final? Absolutely not. But all of a sudden, do you want to be Brooklyn or Philly? And there's Tatum and Jalen Brown playing their best basketball a Marcus Smart type team, all of a sudden you go from, okay, you've been one of the elite teams in the league the last few years. You may not be this year. Uh, I think the team you don't want to play in the second round, that'd be a pretty good save for a season that you know a a lot of nights this year has looked like it was going to be lost.
2: Again, one more game on the homestand, then an interesting, interesting ride the rest of the way. Hopefully we see some more Evan Fournier real soon. We don't know uh, exactly how long he is going to be out, obviously. That is the nature of health and safety protocols. It took Tristan Thompson missing a dozen games before he came back. And thank God he did because they don't win that game against the Knicks without him. That is for sure. Played well and uh, full strength. It's it's on the way, folks. We hope it is on the way. In the meantime, uh, Sean Grandy joining us again. Voice, longtime voice of the Boston Celtics on the radio. Uh, popping up on TV from time to time as well. And he's got a new podcast with Mark D'Amico with Abby Chin, with Kendrick Perkins. It is, of course, uh, you know, one that you want to make sure that you check out here. It is uh, the view from the rafters behind the scenes with the Boston Celtics. You can subscribe. You can check it out. And while you're at it, subscribe to Celtics Beat right here on iTunes. Thank you so much, Sean. Always a pleasure. And we'll bug you again. You can count on that.
0: My pleasure, guys. Thanks for letting me have the like the full face and not pranking me like the TV guys. They didn't give me the Mike Gorman box to stand on uh, that <laughs> same box. So I, I look like Harry Potter next to Scouse Hagrid. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the other day
2: They'd cut you off at the at the nose yeah and, i was like you know, yeah, you can't, you this is, i'm like
0: this is Mom, not gonna me. this is not gonna work we're really gonna do this but i get it prank the new guy there <laughs>
2: you go for sean for Evan valenti i'm adam coffin we'll talk to you again next week